Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your... Don't you just love technical difficulties? Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. My name is Tori. Today is February 5th, 2019. Today is the day we're having our State of the Union, and we have a lot to cover. I'm going to have Scott Adams on the second half, where we'll discuss current events and talk about what's going on. Just so you all know, I had a really big technical difficulty in getting live today, but we got it. So where do we start today? Do we start on what's going on with the State of the Union? Mm, We'll go to that later. For now... I want us to listen to Senator Rand Paul. Because today we saw that our General Vogel was actually testifying to the committee for Senate Arms, right? For the Arms Committee. Because apparently Republicans and Democrats still want us to have war. Let's take a listen to what he said to his fellow Republicans that rebuke the president, on his military exit strategy. Very important. ...or Democrat, and that is to end the war in Afghanistan. We've been there for 17 years. We voted on a resolution initially that said that we would go after the people who attacked us on 9-11 and anyone who aided or abetted them. We did that. Today, there is no one living who attacked us on 9-11 that is free. There is no one living who aided or abetted the people who attacked us on 9-11. By any measurement, we are victorious. We killed bin Laden. We have disrupted the terror camps in Afghanistan. Is Afghanistan a mess? Sure, it's a mess. It's always been a mess and always will be a mess. But now our mission has changed to nation-building. I want to compliment President Trump for being bold and brave and saying enough's enough. Let's spend that money at home. We spend $51 billion a year in Afghanistan. That money could be spent at home. I've got three members of my family in the military. I don't want them to go to Afghanistan. Every one of our political and military leaders, Republican, Democrat, and Independent, We'll tell you there is no military mission in Afghanistan, and yet we stay. Some of the very same people who say we have no mission in the next breath say we need to send more troops there. We sent 100,000, and we completely had victory, and then they came back as our troops came down. Are we to send 100,000 and keep them there forever? This resolution is an insult to the president, and I will oppose it. This resolution is put forward by Republicans who say to President Trump that you are leaving precipitously from Afghanistan. How do you leave precipitously after 17 years? Exactly. 17 years. We are no longer fighting anyone who attacked us on 9-11. The people we are fighting were not even born when 9-11 happened. The war over there has nothing to do with 9-11. Guys, pay attention to what he's saying. Because remember... 
I told you two weeks ago that there are a lot of senators that were that are Republicans that were canvassing for veto overrides. One of them is obviously uh, Senator John Hoven that I ex- exposed for who he is. This is indeed an issue. Our president wants to bring our troops back home. And our own Republicans are saying, nope, we need war. Nope, we need more war. And he is trying to make it so people understand, people like you and I that are listening, exactly what's going on. I'm going to forward to a certain part where he's talking because what he speaks is complete and utter truth. Listen to what he says about poppy fields too. To what end? The great irony of this is that the war caucus on both sides, Republicans and Democrats, those who will not ever let the soldiers come home, the great irony is typically they vent their anger and say the president has unlimited power and how dare Congress get in his way with regard to war. Here's the irony. We now have a president that wants to use his power to come home, and they're stepping in and saying, oh, no, we need to make sure he's consulting with Congress because we want to stay at war forever, and the president wants to bring troops home. So this is a resolution to condemn the president for trying to bring troops home for the first time in 17 years. What are we spending the money on? $51 billion a year. We spent over $6 trillion between the Iraq War and the Afghan War, $6 trillion. But the $51 billion a year we're spending in Afghanistan, luxury hotel, we spent at $45 million on a gas station. I think it was about $90 million on the hotel, $45 million on the gas station. $45 million on a gas station. But listen to what he says next. You know what kind of gas they pump? Natural gas. How many people have a car in America that runs on natural gas? Virtually nobody. How many people in Afghanistan have a car that runs on natural gas? Zero. So we we bought bought them them some cars. cars. Then they didn't have any money, so we gave them credit cards to use the gas pumps. I sent my staff to see if the gas station even exists. They couldn't get there because it's too dangerous. Was that the case? Could they not get there because it was too dangerous, or did it not exist? Question. After 17 years, you can't travel more than a few blocks in Kabul, except we're out without helicopter warships and an escort of, of dozens of Marines. It's Why completely are we there? a disaster. More poppy was grown there last year than in any recent year. More poppy was grown there last year than in any recent year. Remember, I've said this before. You cannot have opioid drugs without poppy because they derive from poppy. And keep in mind, these big pharmaceutical companies have invested a lot of money in these senators and in these House representatives on both sides of the aisle, obviously all the Democrats, and some of our rhinos. Poppy fields, opioid epidemic, Are we getting it now? Because everything is coming to surface slowly. What this whole war has been about. Poppy fields. Gas stations that you can't even see because it's dangerous. Well, even if it's dangerous, I want to see it. I want pictures. I want to tour it. I mean, can it be that 
Scary if Nancy Pelosi was flying there with her family? That's a question. Here's another, a couple points more that I want to, uh, I want us to listen to Rand Paul a little bit because he did a great job delivering this. And unfortunately, he didn't get the coverage he should have had in what he was saying so that average people can listen. He shamed his fellow Republicans. He called out the Democrats for exactly what they did. And the people say we shouldn't give up. All we have to do is send more soldiers. All we have to do is fight longer. When are they going to fight? They have 300,000 people in their army. When are they going to fight? If they want their homeland, stand up and fight for it. I'm tired of America always doing everybody else's fighting. I'm tired of America always paying for everybody else's war. People say, oh, well, they might come and attack us. We should be prepared. We should have robust intelligence. We should know what's going on, and we should disrupt terrorist camps if we have to. But every person out there who believes in this Islamic, this radical Islam, this radical jihad, is not coming over here. Every misbegotten village in Africa is not a threat to the United States, and that's the debate we should be having. They say it's in our national security interest. Really? To go to Niger? To go to Mali? To be fighting in Somalia? To be fighting in Yemen? To be fighting in Afghanistan? Iraq? That's not in our national interest. People say we must fight them there or they will come here. Well, guess what? They've been coming here since Mm 9-11. We've arrested over 300 terrorists in our country. It was only a year ago a dozen people were killed in New York by a terrorist. So it's not as if they haven't been coming. In fact, the terrorists, we don't condone their reasons for coming. But if you look at their reasons for coming, they say it's because we're over there. So So that's the main point. So remember, the terrorists, they come here. And if you read the manifesto of ISIS, it's because of what we're doing to their governments, why we're fighting wars, how we're in their business. This is their main grievance. So our president diffused situations in Asia with North Korea. He's trying to mitigate and diffuse our actions within the Middle East. And if you listen to the rest of Rand Paul's statement, it's exactly what we've been saying here. Let them be, you know, Islamic republics. They could do their own thing. Why are we there? And here's the thing. Do we remember how we entered Iraq. Remember how they told us Saddam had weapons of mass destruction, but then he didn't? Remember how much more uh, support he would have had if he was realistic and said, well, we're trying to corner the Middle Eastern market on energy, so it's, uh, you know, Saddam's not playing nice with us. He won't let us get a pipeline through him down to Qatar. We've already kneeled Kuwait and Qatar. We need Iraq. Then we need Libya. Then we need Syria. And then we're all making tons and tons of money because we've monopolized it. It's not right. But at least he would have been honest, right? And here's where we see the difference in administrations when it comes to oil. I want you guys to listen to what this administration is telling you about Venezuela. Because I've been talking about how important Venezuela is because of the oil they have. Listen to John Bolton tell the American people, spelling it out, why we are installed, like why we're 
involved in We're this whole Venezuela. We're looking at the oil assets. That's the single most uh, important income stream to the government of Venezuela. We're looking at what to do to that. We want everybody to know we're, we're looking at all this very seriously. We don't want any American businesses or investors caught by surprise. They can see what President Trump did yesterday. We're following through on it. Uh, so if you think of a company like Sitco, which is owned by PDVSA, which is the state-run oil company there in Venezuela, we have a lot of those Sitco assets right here in the U.S. Is that something, for example, sir, that you're looking at? Yeah, well, we're in conversation with major American companies now that are either in Venezuela or in the case of Citgo here in the United States. Uh, I think we're trying to get to the same end result here. You know, uh, Venezuela is one of the three countries I call the Troika of tyranny. It'll make a big difference to the United States economically if we could have American oil companies really invest in and, and produce the oil. Uh, capabilities in uh, Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of Venezuela. It'd be good for the people of the United States. We both have a lot at stake here making this come out the right way. So what did that tell you? That told you exactly the truth. I've said it before. Russia and China aren't hanging out in Venezuela with armed forces and nuke capability planes because they're nice. It's because they have an investment. And what did John Bolton tell us? What did he just say? Hey, we're in it because, you know, they're the tyranny troika, meaning, you know, they have like a monopoly on oil. Remember, 363 years worth of reserves compared to that of Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, somewhat 69 years or whatever. So that's a big deal. And he says, you know, we have a financial interest. We should have our oil companies go down there and exploit those resources and our country can make money and they can make money. We should start trade. We, it's an economic interest. Did you see that? How good is honesty? Tip your hat for this administration. They're not giving you BS like Venezuelans are going to come and blow us up. They're not telling you they have weapons of mass destruction. They're not lying to us. That is the point here. The point that we have an administration that is transparent, an administration that is not hiding behind their finger, and they are literally telling you exactly what is in the interest of our country, what is important we focus on, and how we're going to accomplish it. And this is on the global scale, right? Because how many of us saw the war in Iraq and said, oh, this is disgusting. It's all about money. And yet they've told everyone, well, these people just want to kill you. They're jihadis. They're this. Well, they're going to be more jihadis if you're in there blowing them up. They've always had jihadis. They always had this, you know, radical Islam existing from forever, ever, ever. It's not going to go away saying that, you know, oh, you only eradicated 99% of ISIS. They're always, that 1% is always going to be there. The thing is, we are no longer funding them. We are no longer perpetuating and throwing gas onto the issue. The Middle East can take care of the Middle East. And that is the point. And Afghanistan, he said 17 years, we're on 18. Poppy fields. Opioid epidemic. Say anything? Ring any bells? This is exactly the state of our elected officials. They're telling you that they're going in there for terror right? They're telling you that we need to eradicate terrorists. But on the other hand, look at their stock portfolios. 
Look at who donates to their campaigns. That's all you have to look at. Follow the money. How many times have we said that? You follow the money. We figure it out. And you know, um, we saw Pompeo tweeting out how USAID is down in Venezuela offering aid. Remember, we've talked about USAID and their sly tactics. But he made sure to show pictures of us giving blankets and food because right now we're not declaring any war because you don't have to go to war to have a country cooperate with you so that way your country can benefit as well as theirs. But let's be honest, ours will benefit more, which is not, you know, fair, but it's kind of fair because they really have nothing. You know what I mean? Business-wise, right? It's kind of like merging with another company or creating a collaborative uh, business transaction. You know, one company is always going to benefit more than the other. And this is the case. So I commend our administration for one, being transparent and two, not using force. Because if the shoe was on the other foot and we had another Obama devastating administration, Bush, Clinton, or Hillary Clinton, God forbid, they would have told you that Venezuela has nuclear missiles and they're testing them and they want to blow us up. And they would go in there by force and exploit all their natural resources. But our administration isn't doing that. It's like, all right, guys, you've been in this poverty for a long time. Here's the deal. We'll support you. China and Russia have already started, you know, making deals with Maduro. But I think we can make a better deal so that we're competitive. That way we all win-win. And, you know, Russia and China don't get stiffed either. And we can actually bring our own companies and we can, you know, work together. I mean, that sounds like a better deal than uh, waiting for someone to take over your country and pull the trigger like they did in Iraq. Because, you know, Saddam, Arafat, you know, know, all of these leaders were great leaders for their nations, but— They weren't smart enough because look at what they did to them. They pulled the rug right from under them. They labeled them terrorists and said, who's with us? You better be with us. They made it look like they did everything. Afghanistan, whoop, 9-11 was the excuse. And you know, one correction there on Rand Paul's speech is that there is one person that's free and clear, and that is Osama bin Laden's right-hand man, who was found by our now Chief Justice Roberts innocent for his crimes against Americans and for his crimes as Al-Qaeda, you know, secondhand Osama bin Laden's right hand, saying that because he was his driver, bodyguard, and executioner, that, um, you know, he was actually a prisoner of Osama, and he didn't really want to do all of that. So this is where we're at. We've got an administration that is transparent, telling you exactly what you're doing. Isn't that awesome? But we're also seeing how uh, people that are elected in our Senate that claim to be America first are all about themselves first. How they line their pockets, what their interests are, and how war is making everybody money. This is fact. And those senators that are Republicans that sponsored or signed on to such a bill, I 
am going to find every single one of those names and put them on a list and put them on a blast because these people are not for America first. They claim vacuums. They claim all this rubbish that if we just pulled out of Afghanistan and said, forget about it. Keep your poppy fields. Do your thing. Just leave us alone. They will leave us alone because they know that we could just swoop back in and mark them off the map, right? We can eradicate them. So why haven't we done that yet? Because we need their poppy fields. We're just meddling and using and exploiting their resources. Oil, poppy, you know, how do you drug America? How do you create an America that's all about emotions and insane? You drug them. I mean, look at the state of our citizens right now. They're all losing their mind. It's pretty incredible. Okay, we're up for a short break right now, and I'll see you guys all in a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. That's 855- 729-78. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194. 
800-961-9194. Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back to the second half of my first hour. I'm your host, Tori. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore says. Same goes for Gab. Tori underscore says. And my website, of course, torysays.com, which I actually have formulated an article that I will be publishing. And I'm actually sending a letter to the President of the United States today, expedited, faxed, and emailed, because I am going to demand a welfare check on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, do you guys know what a police welfare check is? So basically, if you have like an old neighbor and you see them come out like every two days and suddenly you don't see them anymore and um, you can't verify that they're okay and you know that they're sick, you know, you do, you call the police and you have them check up on them. Well, I think that it's about time that us, the citizens, get together and demand from our president to appoint an independent welfare check on her, meaning maybe send the Surgeon General. And we don't need to know uh, details of her health condition. You know, there's HIPAA, but... We need to know if she has a heartbeat. We need to know if she's capable of writing these opinions that are being submitted because the Supreme Court is the highest court in the land. They issue laws that, that are clearly the foundations of our justice system. And right now, that's the question. Who's writing these for her? Who is putting these opinions for her? She's so sick. No one's seen her. Honestly, let's be all honest. No one has seen her since October when she fell. Reports say that she's been here and there and everywhere, uh, changing from cancer to surgery to cancer surgery, then pneumonia, and now she's at a gym walking a mile, but no one in 2019, even flip phones have cameras, have caught a glimpse of her. I don't want her coming out on camera because like we saw with the Globes, there's something called deep fake. I, as a citizen, demand a welfare check on my Supreme Court justice. I believe that it is of grave concern to the foundations of our nations and, and our nation and how it operates if someone else is formulating opinions for her. So that'll be up shortly after uh, my show. And, uh, you know, this afternoon, like I said, I'm going to be faxing, emailing, and then sending it off with registered mail to our president asking for this. Uh, You know, because so many people, even Fox News reported that she was at some show about her but then the people that were there can't verify nobody saw her nobody took a picture but she was apparently there really if you don't have a snapshot you don't have a picture it didn't happen so on that note let's listen to kellyanne conway talk about northam and one point on that so big league politics who i write for as well um broke this story 
Patrick Howley is the editor of uh, Big League Politics. Now, instead of people focusing on the story whenever something like this breaks, they focus on discrediting or maiming the actual reporter. And this is why many of us write in pen names. And, you know, I would go down in flames before I told anyone my pen names. Anyone. And how many times I've submitted articles that editors published that were mine because I didn't want the heat on me. This is reality, guys. Like reporters are even scared to report because then you have, you know, the mainstream media giving you a full and thorough colonoscopy and dragging you through the dirt. And I'm super glad that um, Patrick held his ground and said it was a concerned citizen. Super glad he exposed the Washington Post fake news reporting and concealing the lieutenant governor's rapist tendencies. Because, you know, like the left says, believe her, even if she has no date, no time, doesn't know the people, as long as it's against someone the left doesn't like. But now that it's a Democrat, she's got date, time, place, admittance from him saying it was consensual when she's like, no, it wasn't. But no one's believing her. Got it? All right. Now let's listen to Kellyanne and what she says. National emergency, if he were in fact to execute on that, Kristen, which he has not so far, is because he believes that we have a crisis on the southern border and the Congress has failed to do its job this Congress, last Congress, and for quite a while to make sure that we have what we need at the southern border, which, of course, the centerpiece of is a physical barrier wall, steel slats. But it's also the additional Border Patrol personnel, the immigration judges, tackling TPS and DACA, uh, certainly meeting those humanitarian needs that have been identified, and also having more technology for the drug uh, surveillance and detection, handling and interdiction. Uh, but at the same time, this president is going to call for an end to the politics of resistance, retribution, and call for more comedy, C-O-M-I-T-Y. And and No, not at all. He's calling for cooperation, and he's calling for comedy, C-O-M-I-T-Y, and, and also compromise. And is going to point out a couple of examples where this has actually happened on his watch. I think it's also an address that celebrates... Uh, so many uh, accomplishments for the United States of America that he would like to highlight as the leader of our nation. Well, what do you say to the, Kelly, what do you say to the critics who say that the president's administration is in chaos? Can you, can you speak? Okay, wait. Before she answers any of the bombarded questions, uh, she so eloquently put it, he hasn't declared it yet. We need border security. We need more people there. We need better detection because if you notice, the increase in um, arresting people, um, bringing drugs in, in through the border has gone up. Like there were women with drugs in their cavities, right? Um, some may have done that under pressure, right? Some voluntarily because it's a high paycheck. Others had liquid methamphetamine in their tires to bring it in. So they're getting craftier. So what we need is better detection other than just dogs nodding it. We need more high-tech equipment, which we definitely have, but cost money. And if you heard one of the questions in the background, it's like, do you think he's going to declare a national emergency at the State of the Union? Oh, gosh, I really hope he does. That would be amazing.
But they've said that from day one, and most of the people who either have been forced out or fired or couldn't get through the door in the first place like to tell all of you that. Um, I think that you've been trying to run that narrative from the beginning, and the American people see the results. They either have more money in their pockets or they don't. They either were one of the 8 million Americans who got a bonus or a raise because of the tax cuts, or, or they're not. I mean, there are there, or no people who have... These small businesses tell us how much they like the deregulation, the tax cuts, the economic prosperity. You can't argue with the economic numbers. You try, but you actually can't legitimately. No, of course not. Uh, I'm right here. But I think that that becomes a shorthanded excuse for people who can't figure out how to how to criticize the policies, the things that have actually happened. I mean, what the president calls for tomorrow in his speech is pretty remarkable on a couple of fronts. I'll leave that to him. But really, when you read it, Brian, I don't think you can come away and say, okay, I need to resist this and be against this because it's Donald Trump's idea. You've got to stop and say, that would be a beautiful thing for this country while we're all alive at this at this time, at a time such as this, if X happened or if we work toward Y. Do you think that's what happens? They just resist it because it's, because it's... Well, done? some do, but most don't. No, I think that most people in public life are there because they care very much about the constituents they represent or the state they represent or the people of this great nation and the nation itself. But I think that they should listen to the message and not always just look at the messenger. And I think a little bit more on policy, a lot less on politics, a little bit more on principle, a lot less on palace intrigue, and you'll be able to hear the words that are stated. It is a... Oh, wow. See, she's... First of all, let me just say, her makeup in this video shot is impeccable. I love it. She looks a lot more happier. She's glowing more. I don't know if it's her makeup, but she's she's amazing. Um, as a woman, I'm just throwing that in. So what she's saying is, is that people need to stop going for the messenger, just kind of like big league politics. They were going for the messenger rather than pay attention to the message. And I've been saying this how long? People need to start hearing and listening, right? They need to listen to the words he says because she's right. A lot of people are like, I don't care what he says. Trump's saying it, so forget it. See, people don't like figures like President Trump or even myself, right? Because we're very polarizing. Uh, You know, we call people out. We don't have, um, uh, you know, and all of you that are listening are probably the same. You know, you don't have the patience for dilly-dallying and playing ring around the rosy. Or, I'm sorry, did I hurt your feelings? Did I say, oh, you want war because you're lining your pockets? Should I have not said that? Should I have just said you have personal interests so it sounds better? No, I'm going to call you out. And this is what they don't like. But in a society that over 40 years now has been trained to submit to political correctness, to submit to having some sort of um, persona because you're a politician, uh, you know, it's it's really hard that uh, an actual real transparent individual comes forward and president Trump is transparent. He's rough around the edges and that's why we like him because you know, no one's ever been president before when they take the job. It's all going to be an adjustment and a learning, but we learn together and he's listening to us. And it's a time that people that don't listen because they have Trump derangement syndrome, start paying attention to his words, because he said it himself. Look at what I'm telling you 
And you'll understand, just like Bolton, he told us why we're involved in Venezuela. Of course he would, because the Middle East is a lost cause. You know, Saudi Arabia is fighting on many fronts to maintain their integrity. We've got, um, you know, Israel uh, being isolated and bombarded. We've got Turkey, you know, being on this side of the fence, that side of the fence. You know, and it's just bleeding money for us. And it's like, look, <laughs> let the Arabs and the Europeans figure it out. We've got oil in America. We've got oil in Venezuela. We'll just deal with that for now. And then when they all eat each other up and cannibalize each other, we'll talk. And that's exactly what he's been saying. Pay attention to what she says further. Challenge um, to all of us in this country when the president stands up and says, let's work together on X or Y or Z, as he will tomorrow. And I hope people will, will hear that call. Can we, can we, can we, can we, can we President Trump believe that Ralph Northam should resign, that Governor Northam should resign? Well, he's just made clear the way he feels about it. I mean, it's confounding to many people, it turns out, that the, governor, the sitting governor, Democrat of Virginia, who's still there, despite the calls from many leaders and pretty much all, if or close to all, the 2020 aspirants on the Democratic side, it's tough to keep count of that, uh, have called for him to resign. Uh, the president, the, well, the president has said he just thinks it's unforgivable, it's unconscionable. Or you can go back to his tweet and his words that this person apologized and then said, gee, I, it wasn't me, I didn't do it. But the president also said something at the end of his tweet, which didn't get a ton of coverage last week from all of you, which is that, that he is, that he gave an unforgivable statement about uh, late-term abortion. I mean, the, the, the governor referred to last week, and I know you didn't want to cover it as much as you want to cover the current story, but uh, the governor referred to the individual as an infant. He didn't say uterine material, polywog, fuzzy image on a sonogram. He said infant. So he's admitted that it is, if you look up the definition, I'm pretty sure if you want to fact-check infant, I'm pretty sure it's a newborn baby just... whose gender you can see is breathing, that's alive, uh, crying, smiling, whatever it is. And then we'll keep the infant, quote, comfortable with Ralph Northam's words. And then we'll, we'll have the mother consult with the physician as to what to do. What does that mean? I'll adopt them. Bring them to me. Um, cheerful chaos in my house, Brian. Against Lieutenant Governor Fairfax. Has the president heard about that? Does he have I have not discussed that with, with uh, the president at all. Um, but I would make note that many people, well, I don't know anybody who's not disturbed by the images that we see in this medical yearbook and really disturbed by the governor's changing story. I think what he's doing is is really what people hate about politicians, Francesca, which is how craven that you just need to cling to power rather than heed the call of of the people in your party who want you gone. Of what? Venezuela uh, Again, I'll let the president give his address tomorrow, but it's very wide-ranging, and it tackles some of the accomplishments, the vision and moving forward, some of our goals, but also news of the day. And I, I would just point you to uh, the vice president and his re the vice president's remarks in uh, in southern Florida, South Florida on um, on Friday, and his meeting with the Venezuela. Okay, before I continue, because she's got a couple more, I just wanted to point out that while she's speaking, she's got a Secret Service agent that is literally um, videotaping the reporters that are there, um, which is curious. Um, you know, that is incredible. Now, let's see what um, she is saying about the national emergency because they keep asking because maybe we're on the money. Maybe he's going to drop that. Um, here's where she starts on this. 
is taking place? In the speech? In the address? Yeah. Probably not. Uh, on the first one, I mean, the president cannot be more clear that he has the absolute right to declare a national emergency. It has never been his his preferred option of first resort, second, tenth, twelfth resort. It would be the last resort after Congress has completed its work. We've got the conferees doing their work. Let's see what they come up with before February 15th. Um, but at the same time, the president's made very clear that it's his first and solemn duty to keep us all safe, and he believes that includes securing the southern border. Is he worried about the little black lives? Is McConnell is warning him again on the national emergency? One more time. Is he worried about the political backlash that reportedly Mitch McConnell was? Uh, he's worried about the human trafficking and the drugs coming through. He's worried about the fact that these young children are taking this perilous journey a thousand miles or so from the Northern Triangle countries because coyotes have promised their parents they've they've promised their parents things that just don't exist aren't delivered upon. As the president has said many times, I'll repeat on his behalf, come here legally. Be one of the 33 million Americans who have done that. He wants people to come here legally. All right. So we'll stop right there. So we know the State of the Union, what the discussion is going to be, right? We obviously know he's going to talk about our booming economy. He's going to talk about the stock market, the jobs, uh, the surplus of jobs, uh, the small businesses thriving. Um, He's going to talk all about that which no one can refute. I mean, the facts are there. He's also going to talk about um, having great relations with Asia. And you know, they're not only great, they're awesome. Because in a previous show, we discussed how he had uh, the Chinese delegation read out uh, President Xi's letter to him, which was more of a plea and let's meet in the middle, let's be friends, and we're doing he, – he, he bowed down in essence in his writing to say, all right, we're equals, um, please, you've got me in the corner. Because remember, the whole world now is attacking China, the whole world. And unfortunately, we don't want to attack China because they have the majority of the living, uh, able-bodied population uh, on the planet there, right? And let's not forget that if they actually need to call in reinforcements, it'll be the whole Far Eastern bloc that would include Japan, North Korea, South Korea. They've got eons of history, man. If it comes down to it, if it's the Western world or them, you know they're on the same side. Done. It's like, you know, um, blood is thicker than water kind of thing, right? Come on. We have to be realistic. Let's not say, oh, well, be realistic. And for the first time, the United States has a president that understands their culture, understands how to communicate with them, and how to have absolute resolve. You know, we have... um, He may talk about pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal, which was amazing. And obviously everyone lost their mind when uh, Russia pulled out. But that was a tactic. Remember how over two months ago we were discussing how if the EU, which they did, um, tackles Russia and starts being, you know, really demonstrative of, hey, we're putting you in the corner and sanction sanctions, that it may be exposed to the world that they have been getting oil and gas from Iran, even though there are sanctions. Remember that? Well, now it's coming to fruition. Because now that Russia pulled out of this nuke deal, along with the U.S., the EU stands alone. And now everyone's going to know where they've been getting their oil and gas and how Iran had money to send troops to Maduro. Sending troops to Maduro. Seriously. That 
is something that was underreported too. I thought they were broke. Didn't we have to like give them billions of dollars in unmarked cash? What about the European Union? Wasn't it that the, that, you know, the companies were like, hey, you want to spot us some unmarked cash and send it in a plane from Europe? So it's odd how suddenly they have like a good cash influx, right? It's all part of the plan. So if we look at the guest list that our president has for this State of the Union, I believe aside from uh, demonstrating the progress that we've had as a nation within this year and discussing our geopolitical positions like our relations with China, relations with Russia, relations with the Middle East, trying to bring our troops home. But, you know, it's because it's Trump's idea, just like Kellyanne said, we're not going to do it. And they were like, well, that's not true. Yes, it is. It totally is. And, you know, they're incessant, you know, they're just really, 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 really adamant about staying at war. But I believe he may bring up something that'll make sense to everybody. And that is this polarized environment that we're at. And because, yes, our president is a polarizing individual. He's one of those people you either like or you even hate. But there's no middle ground, right? But the thing is, if you exclude the messenger, exclude the figure that polarizes you, look at the the results. You know, I had a professor that I couldn't stand. He was abrupt. He made me feel tiny. Uh, He made me feel stupid. But he was the best darn professor I had because he delivered the message correctly. He taught me things that I will never forget. He taught me how to question things, how to analyze things. And through that, you know, I realized that his actions were more important than, you know, his, you know, short temper because he was like super mean. Trump is a baby next to him. And I like our president because I like that kind of style. I'm all about don't dilly dally. I don't have time, man. My time is important. Get to the bottom of it. Let's do this. No dilly dallying or, you know, skirting around the issue. So I think based on the, on the people that he's bringing, he's going to demonstrate just how polarized we are because of politics. How he's he's bringing um, Deborah Bissell, Heather Armstrong, and Madison Armstrong that are the descendants of um, Gerald and Sharon David of Reno, Nevada that in January of 2019 were slaughtered in their own house by an illegal immigrant. Matthew Charles, he used to be a drug addict and sold crack and cocaine, got 35 years for that. 35 years found, you know, he found religion. Um, he, um, does Bible studies. He became a law clerk. He taught GD classes in prison, mentored fellow inmates. And on January 3rd, he was the first one, um, as a prisoner to be released with the first step Act. And here's the thing. This first step Act is a really big deal. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has purported a crime at some point, stealing a lipstick, a candy bar, whatever it is. I don't care who you are and you say you didn't, you did. Um, at some point, you may have been five or six. The thing is that what do you learn and how do you rehabilitate You know your lesson? You think throwing someone in prison is teaching them anything? No, you're institutionalizing them. And especially for juveniles um, you know, that are in the system and go in and out, this is a big problem because once you throw them in there, they're tainted. No one will hire them. I don't care if there's felon programs. People just be like, felon and you know they dismiss them 
they don't allow you to um, take that as a, as a badge of honor, that mistake they made, and use it for the better good. So this is really important. We also have, you know, Graceline. Um, you know, she's a really resilient young lady, um, cancer survivor, very determined. We have Ashley Evans, who was a drug addict, who while she was pregnant had a relapse while she was trying to get off of drugs. Um, you know, she struggled with opioid and other substance abuse. And, um, you know, she decided to get clean because she had a baby. And now, um, you know, one year into her recovery, she'll be reunited with her child. She didn't have an abortion, right? And this child was her future. We have one of the leading, uh, you know, human trafficking persons uh, within our government that has been doing this for for almost two decades, Elvin Hernandez. We've got Roy James, you know, who, um, uh, you know, is a blue collar, uh, was a vice president of Lumber, and now that's up and running again. Timothy Matson, you know, he was part of the SWAT team that went into the Tree of Life Synagogue and was shot multiple times. We have a survivor Judah Samet from the, you know, horrific Tree of Life synagogue shooting. And then and then finally, we have Joshua Trump um, as well, who's a little boy that the Twitter trolls have started to bash because he has the same name. He's bullied not only by kids, but his teachers. We have Tom Wimberly, a father of a Navy seaman that was killed, and Alice Johnson who received clemency, if you remember, that Kim Kardashian kind of intervened. These are all the people that he's bringing in, which is showcasing how polarized we are and how important it is that we work together as a nation. Maybe he should bring up the example of AMLO, you know, the president of Mexico, how the people of Mexico are so united to crack down on illegal immigration that they say, if you don't submit to biometrics, if you don't submit to what we ask, then you get deported. Now, in the next half, I'll have Scott Adams, and we'll have our phone lines open for questions. See you all in a few. Listening to Tori says for the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. You can always find me on torysays.com, on Red State, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time, and obviously on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says. Today with me, I have uh, Scott Adams, who's joining me. Uh, he is going to sit with me and we're going to discuss 
the State of the Union, what we expect. Um, you know, we've already discussed that if the State of the Union happens, you know, uh, they might even pull the plug on RBG or, you know, we'll see a lot of boycotts, which are already coming in. And that's to cover the seats that are empty. And I've made note that, you know, cowboy hat wearing Frederica Wilson is MIA along with um, Representative Payne Jr. from New Jersey. No one seems to know where they are. And I can't seem to track any indictments or pending cases yet. So, um, Scott, are you here with me? I am. Excellent. And everybody knows Scott Adams. You can uh, go to his website, scottadamsshow.com, for all his latest shows. He does like a three-hour morning segment, which is awesome. And I frequent because I love having conversations about what's going on and what's to come, you know, pulling out our mathematically calculated crystal balls to just um, pretty much – uh, tell you what the deep state is up to and how they're trying to obfuscate um, reality to us. Um, welcome to the Tory Says Show, Scott. Thank you, Tori. Thank you for having me. You know, since uh, you were on my show earlier today, um, I got a call from BBC, right? And they called me to book me on their on one of their shows tomorrow morning at nine. I was told them I'm going to be on the radio, but Ooh. they could do a pre-record and call me at seven thirty. And so then, you know, that was great. It was all set. They had to call me back to cancel. The reason why they canceled was because they did a pre-screen on the, the one of the producers, right? And they asked these stupid questions about about uh tr you know what my position is with Trump. And when I answered that Trump wants to open up discussions and he wants to have a pragmatic debate, he wants to have basically an offer from the Democrats which no one seems to know what they're offering for border security and so many other things when we talked about uh when we talked about uh the border and how we're trying to prevent opioid uh, opioids from coming over or, or, or put an end to human trafficking. It wasn't – as soon as he realized, the producer of BBC, as soon as they realized that basically what Trump is about is you know, trying to keep people safe and it's not about uh, racism or discrimination, he didn't want anything to do with me. And I could hear it in his tone. I could hear it. In the way he shifted his questions uh, and and his inherent bias, it was kind of an interesting thing where the BBC was basically saying, "Well, Trump has been divis divisive," and I said, "I said to the guy, I said Trump has made an offer, but there's been no counteroffer, offering zero dollars for a wall when you support the wall that's being built in Israel or the support the wall that's being built elsewhere or around the Vatican." Um, you know, the, the, uh, it's not about being divisive. And uh, that's where he was, though. It was kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I know, would expect that, that no happened. less. I mm -hmm. would expect no less. I well, mean, they canceled. they canceled because I was pragmatic. They canceled because I wasn't a racist. So they're trying to get these Looney Tune alt-right wingers to come on their program so that they could debunk Trump, in a sense. But as soon as they got somebody with a rational thought that supports Trump, and he was like, the, the, the final question was, um, 
so are you like a Trump supporter? Do you do? You, I was like, yeah, I'm all in. I've been on the Trump train since the beginning. I'm the biggest Trump fan you've ever met. Like, let's not make any mistake about it. Trump fans are like me. They're not like what you're trying to port, uh, create a portrait for. Right. And they don't like grounded facts. They don't like uh, transparency. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to obfuscate and make us all look insane how we can support someone that seems to be polarizing the nation. But, you know, in order to have polarization, you need a North and South Pole, right? And our South Pole is the Democrats and all the insane radical left, the mainstream media, the entertainment industry, music industry, you name it. They are the ones that are causing this polarization. Instead of people saying he's our president, let's see what he's doing. Kind of like what Kellyanne Conway said. Listen to what he's he's saying. Listen to his words. Don't don't kill the messenger. You know, instead, they're polarizing. They're making him a polarized figure because he's so rugged and so transparent, kind of like, you know, that clip that I played earlier in my show with Bolton being completely transparent of why we're involved in this whole Venezuela situation. He said we have financial interests. We want to go in there and help them develop their oil resources because it's a win-win for both of us. Instead of saying, oh, they have weapons of mass destruction, like other previous administrations have said. So they don't like this because this State of the Union will be factual and um, will demonstrate who the real problem is. And the fact that they're boycotting, too, is a big deal. I mean, I'm I'm shocked. That's very much in line with what you've been telling your audience for a long time, and that is expect a lot of vacant seats. And you know what? The more and more vacancies that they have coming from the left, the more and more likely I think it can be that Trump's going to say, uh, let's hear a round of applause for those who support a border wall. And it's going to drown <laughs> out <laughs> that of the Democrats who are going to be basically no-shows, getting paid to do nothing. They should be stepping up and attending this historical, historic State of the Union address. But instead, uh, they're going to act like, you know, Hank Guam Johnson and sit, sit this one out. You know, the guy, the same Democrat that's not showing tonight is the same Democrat, Hank Johnson from Georgia, that actually thought that Guam could tip over. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, I, I, what I was talking about in the first half of my show, Scott, was telling people how um, how our own the president's own party, the party he selected because he could have went on his own and he could have probably even won even if he went on his own. But the problem was Ted Cruz. You know, he had cheerleaders like Levin and others that were bootlicking Ted. Um, and it would have just split the, the paid, votes. Yeah. Paid media. Yes. The media was paid off to endorse Ted Cruz. Yes. Like- yes. You know, like, yes. For example. And this is why they, yeah, exactly. And so the party that he chose to run with, and he's replaced a lot of them because they resigned or didn't run again. Um, we still have a lot of Republicans that are all about war. 
they're totally defying the president. And um, I played a clip of Rand Paul where he explained what are why are you guys doing this? Why are you, um, you know, going against the president of the United States when all he wants to do is bring the troops home? Why are we spending billions and trillions of dollars in a war that, you know, makes no sense? Because like you said, no one's alive anymore. And some of them weren't even born, those people that were attacking for 9-11. And the more we do, the more we fuel it. But he made a clear point. There were more poppy fields, right? We won. We won the war. Now let's leave. We're not in the nation building. That's why would we want to pay to build a nation that's not going to be our best ally? You know, it's going to be run and dominated by the Taliban. Everybody knows it. Um, But, you know, the the point is, is that this is, you know, a poppy seed country. Yes. Why? What is in it for us? But, you know, what is in it is for people like Nancy Pelosi that have gotten rich off the pharmaceutical industry Mm -hmm. and high priced uh, pharmaceuticals. It's Donald Trump that's actually signing into law things that will actually drive the price of of pharmaceutical goods and services down. And that that again, it runs counter to the cash windfall that the Democrats depend on to win elections. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible because most of them that are opposing the president on this, that are senators, um, that are Republicans, have huge portfolios in pharma. And this is a big issue. And, um, and you know, I'll probably do a show later on this week that talks about the pharmaceutical industry. Um, you know, my listeners really like the um, Obamacare, breaking it down for the over 65, what it did. And what people don't seem to understand is that our pharmaceutical industry, with that Affordable Care Act, literally handed over um, so much power to the insurance companies and the pharmaceuticals to be able to overcharge so that they both make money on us. And now that power is being taken away and it's kind of like, no, no insurance company is getting involved. Uh, You know, because how many times have you gone to the pharmacist for an antibiotic and you go there and it could be the same one, you know, like a Z-Pack. And one day you're paying $5. And then when you submit, their formulary has updated. So suddenly you're paying a $25 copay or an $80 copay. And that's because your insurance controls the pricing with the pharmaceutical industry. Now it's changing. President Trump is putting forward that there will be a formulary. And it'll have, if you take the brand name, it'll cost you this much. If you um, get it from Teva Pharmaceuticals, it'll be like a dollar. If you take it from Glasgow Pharmaceuticals, it'll It'll be $2. So that way you have the choice and your insurance is being cut out. That's pretty awesome because there's full transparency. That sounds like it makes too much sense. Right? We can't have common sense. Everything needs to be complicated. Just like Pelosi said, read it later. That's the only way you could could snow over the average Joe. Exactly. That's how the lobbyists win. They make everything so complicated that the average Joe citizen doesn't have the time or the patience to even figure it out, which is exactly what they want. It's that plan complexity. You know, Jonathan Gruber, you know, the stupidity, they're depending on the stupidity of the liberal voter who voted for his nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, um, talking about uh, nonsense, aside from seeing that um, they're making things over complex in the pharmaceutical industry, they're making things complex on every single aspect. Um, you know, the left has completely lost their plot. You know, I wrote like for this magazine called Polyquads about Antifa, right? And one thing while interviewing a lot of Antifa members in Portland, in D.C., New York, Chicago, uh, because I got on Discord and I was asking them a bunch of questions, 
I realize that they don't seem to realize that what the radical left and what Antifa in general stand for is exactly what Hitler pushed. The history lesson in the synopsis is Hitler went to his people, said the West is killing us. They're bringing in porn. They're throwing in entertainment. You know, he was disgusted about the way things were. And he's like, listen, we need jobs. All of us need access to health care. We all need a good education. Let's get rid of them. And I'll give you free health care, free education and tons of jobs. Uh, you won't be, you know, trying to rub two pennies together to make a third one. I'll be there for you. This is what we'll, and all these people that were in poverty or that had no direction, followed him. And at some point he had to deliver. So how he delivered was by uh, isolating and marginalizing the Jewish um, residents of Germany that were more lucrative, that they were very, you know, they were businessmen, some were bankers. I'm not saying all of them were great. You know, some took advantage of situations. Regardless, though, they were the richest. So he confiscated all of their wealth, had them work for free, and the minute they lifted their head, he would kill them. And people were okay with that because then that was the evil. So we needed to take their property. We needed to take their money. They need to work for us for free because they're evil. And they branded them with yellow stars. Well, in 2019 now, it's the hardworking American, the farmer, the person that created their own wealth that is now wearing that Jewish yellow star, according to the radical left. They want to tax 90% of your income. If you're uh, investing, you know, 30 years of education to get a job and get paid, you know, half a million dollars because you put the hard work and sweat in it, you don't deserve it because somebody else that didn't have your aspirations, that didn't want to move forward, deserves to have what you have. And this is all full circle. This is complete and utter nonsense for 2019. And the sooner people wake up to that, the better, because we saw at the Super Bowl that they're purporting the agenda of who? Yang. And I've said it again and again and again. I mean, this is a threat to our democracy. Everyone's laughing about Ocasio, but no one's should be laughing because that's what they did to the president and they get talked about more, right? That's a problem for us. Um, I, before, um, you chime in. I just wanted to give our listeners the number is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. If you have any question or commentary for me and Scott, what do you think about that, Scott? What do you think about the radical left now pretty much running on the same ideologies as Hitler? Well, it's in their DNA. You can look at the blueprint of where they are today as a species. Um, <laughs> and that is that you know, they throw due process out the uh, out the out the window. Due process is actually part of, you know, being rational thought, really, and open debate. They don't want to have a discussion. It's it's why it is too that you know, you have in our universities, in our journalism, you know, in our our print media, in our mainstream media. And in Hollywood, wherever there is a proliferation of ideas, there is a singular thought because they don't like opposing views. No matter how much they try to say that they do, they don't. And so what they were trying to do is turn this country into a one-party system full of aristocrats and, and impoverished so they can control everything. It's all about power. And so, you know, with journalism, how do you get 90% of your universities to have 90% liberal professors? How does that happen? It happens with those strong arm unions all the way down into the grade school level, all the way up. And how do you get the editorial boards to be controlled and dominated 90% of the time by liberal values? 
And the same thing in Hollywood. How does this happen? It happens because of the intolerance of the left. If you think differently, if you wear a MAGA hat, you're not going to get the part. You're not going to get the front page story. You're not going to get tenure. You're not going to get any of those things. And so that intolerance of the left is part of their DNA. It's how you get to the point where there's no discussion, there's no due process. And look at what's happening. It's backfiring on them. You know, Fairfax has become the victim of the Me Too. So has Al Franken. So has um, Conyers, you know, and so many other congressmen that have lost their jobs. They're all liberals that have lost their jobs to the playbook that they themselves created, just like Harry Reid create, went nuclear. And now it's, it's the Republicans that are benefiting from that precedent with the judges and the confirmations and the appointments. But in addition, uh, you take a look at uh, all the different things, you know, where it, uh, God works in mysterious ways, apparently, because Northrum is another good example. He was the biggest race monger. Right. He is the one that had the ad with the black truck that said Gillespie's a racist. And yeah, he's a Democrat, came, right? Of course. Yeah, he's a Democrat. Of course, the mainstream media tried to play him off like he's a Republican. He's not. So he was a Democrat. And, you know, and, and so was Nathan Phillips, the Native American Indian, who actually cited that he felt like uh, the black girl walking into the school. Only the only only the um, Samantha Guthrie didn't didn't uh, raise the question, hey, you know who's standing in front of the door in the, for the uh, in Birmingham with the two black girls? It was Democrat, the fa- Democrat governor, uh, George Wallace, the father of segregation. It's in their DNA all the way through and through. You can look at the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments. You can look at all kinds of things in terms of votes and history. You can look at Rob, Rob, Robert Byrd uh, in the Senate. You can look at all the different weird comments that Joe Biden has made. It's in their DNA, and they try to say, you know, when they collude with the Russians, for example, they say, no, you collude, the Republicans colluded with the Russians. They make this stuff up. They don't even have the creativity of new thought. They actually take what they have done. It's always the thief that thinks that somebody is robbing from them. It's always the card cheat, uh, the person who cheats at cards that thinks that everybody else is cheating them, you know, and it's the same kind of racist, corrupt, womanizing pieces of crap that belong that, that exist in the Democrat Party that are trying to take what they know and identify with and pin it on somebody else. That's what they've done with Northroom. That's what they're doing with Fairfax. That's what they're doing with Russian collusion, delusion, and all across the board. Due process Man, is at the center of the discriminating gene that the Democrats seem to have. This whole thing about Hitler... Uh, that you're talking about. This is exactly how it happened. It's gaslighting. It's 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 gaslighting, really. It's it's sort of like up is down, down is up, and somehow you're supposed to believe it. But what's happening now is this gaslight tactic is being lost because so is the media. The media and journalism is coming to the end of their life cycle. It's They're totally starting to dead. disintegrate before your eyes, and what you're seeing is an act of desperation at this point. It is completely dead, um, Scott. I mean, I know I'm on the receiving end of this scathing type of attack. Um, you know, I shared with you that I got an email from some editor and publisher of an actual newspaper that was literally foaming at their mouth in that email. 
um, which indicates just what a big problem we have in our mainstream media of remaining with the objective truth, reporting truth, and not um, wearing certain glasses for it. And our politicians are to be held to that standard. They're the first that come out. And, you know, what, what did they do to the Covington boys? How many other political opponents have they slandered online through the mainstream media and themselves, you know, uh, making themselves judge and jury? I mean, we saw with Kavanaugh, they believed Ford. She had no date, no place. You know, she kind of had a recollection. And they totally believed her. And now we have a woman that has a date, place, time, admitting, he's even admitting that he had intercourse with her because he's pretty sure she got a rape kit done. And um, suddenly it's consensual. And what she's saying, we don't believe her. Uh, this this um, divisive environment of segregating America into the people that abide and obey by the guidelines this totalitarian regime has set of how you're supposed to think, speak, and walk, and then the rest of us that still believe in freedom, that still believe in free speech, and the objective truth. I mean, that's the foundation of creating this beautiful nation is having objective they're truth. Depending, they're, depending, they're depending on the cooperation of the law-abiding citizens, which are usually conservatives. It's the conservatives that actually go to the port of entry. It's the liberals that actually go through the open porous border. It's the conservatives that would actually uh, probably hand over their gun if it became the law of the land. And it would be the criminal left there would be the ones armed to the teeth that would be raiding your house in the middle of the night, just like they did with Roger Stone, just like they did with Paul Manafort or Michael Cohen. Given the opportunity, the left knows no bounds when it comes to the kind of Gestapo-like SS tactics that were part and parcel of the Hitler regime. Exactly. And the thing is, we have Republicans that act just like that. That is what the incredible thing is. And well, and that's the, we need the to neocons, remove right? Yeah. You know, because we're talking about Bill Crystal right. and Weekly Standard. Mm -hmm. he, was only, he was wearing the badge of honor of being the truest conservative in the country. And I never liked Bill Crystal, never thought he was a conservative. And in fact, he used to be a liberal. And now, because of the warmongering that Rand Paul uh, so articulately spoke about today uh, on the Senate floor, uh, that, that it's the Democrats now that see the military uh, complex as as their cash cow, exactly. their way to maintain power. And again, it's not much different than what Maduro was trying to do with his military in Venezuela. Yes. And, you know, I saw this meme that was pretty interesting that a friend of mine posted. It has like, you know, the the father and son picture, you know, from the 50s where the little boy's asking the dad something. And it says, yeah. Dad, if socialism doesn't work, why do some people still support it? And he says, because they don't work either, son. That is right. exactly where we're at. The people that support socialism are the ones that don't have jobs or well, you know don't what, feel productive. You know, kills, you know what kills socialism? A strong jobs economy. A strong job market exactly. kills socialism. Exactly. You know what helps the middle class? Strong manufacturing. The, Obama was trying to tell you that it didn't exist and you needed a magic wand. And Trump is here to tell you, and he'll tell you tonight, that he's got, he apparently has the magic wand because he's putting the middle class back to work. The middle class is the one class of population that doesn't drink the cool, doesn't, is not enticed, doesn't, is not given the opportunity of enticement uh, to work their way up to the upper echelons, but they don't want to be in poverty either. They don't want to be told how to pray, what color white picket fence to, you know, 
to paint, what, where to send their kids to school. They don't want to be taxed to death or regulated to death. They want government to stay out of the way. Trump understands that. That's why Trump is all about transferring power from Washington, D.C. back to you, the people, and not from one party to another. And that's important, how, how you transfer that power back to the people uh, without them getting any shock, too. You know, suddenly if you're given the reins and you don't know how to take it, um, which is pretty incredible. Uh, before we head to this, like, small break, I, I wanted to say, can we kind of think, uh, so we've been told that RBG is not coming to the State of the Union, right? So, That's true. Um, yeah. So if anybody would like to call, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on 215-867-8255, what you think uh, will happen. I'm pretty sure, you know, obviously she's not going to come. But then you did make a mention about an airplane, and I want to talk about it after the break, um, you know. That's kind of meritful considering that planes are being exploded over California lately, too. So um, and who isn't going to be a show? And Stacey Abrams. I want to talk about that. Like, how is she going to rebut? And with what? Wasn't she the one that was stomping her feet that it was her turn? So um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll get together. We have Scott Adams with us. We'll see you shortly right after this break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 855- 700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Uh, we have with us Scott Adams from the Scott Adams Show. You can go to www.scottadamsshow.com and have a listen to his radio shows if you miss him live. I think it's 8 a.m. Eastern Time till noon. Am I right? Or is it till 11? Well, I'm 8 to 9 on Red State. And then I have a nationally syndicated show that's 9 to 12. Uh, yes. But I take my 8 a.m. live show for Red State, which is my flagship show, and I actually plop it into the 11 to 12 hour. So I'm doing three hours of live show every day. But uh, pretty awesome. Uh, you know, tomorrow recently, gonna, I was offered, uh, recently I was offered uh, uh, Laura Ingram's spot across the, you know, in several stations across the country. Right. And um, Scott, I'm definitely coming on your show tomorrow and you're definitely coming on to mine since Laura is going to be traveling too because it's usually Laura okay. Loomer Wednesdays to talk State of the Union because I think some minds are going to explode. Um, you know, the media is going to have to find a way to um, twist his words, uh, you know, because that's what people do. You can say ABC and they'll swear you said XYZ or they'll change it and say, but they meant XYZ, even though they didn't say it. Um, well, and according to like I was saying about the BBC offer, right? They offered, then they reneged because I was too pragmatic. And so, you know, the thing is, is that what the left wing media will try to do is try to get some numb nut that calls himself a conservative Trump supporter that, you know, basically steps in it and doesn't and has an IQ of two. And they'll try to get them on the show just so they can control the narrative and own the own the Trump fan. You know what I mean? But that's uh, that's what they did with me. I mean, basically, they asked me a series of qualifying questions. And I guess I came across too sensitive to, you know, like Trump is, you know, Trump is sensitive to a whole host of things. And, uh, you know, Trump lost a brother to uh, addiction. Right. Yes, he did. Fred, Fred mm -hmm. Trump. And so, you know. Basically, he, he has a personal interest in ending the opioid addiction and the drug trafficking across the southern border. You know, he's, he's very much attuned more than any other president to human trafficking. You know, but uh, over the break, by the way, just during this break that you just had, I was searching feverishly for Ruth Bader Ginsburg's photo from last night. None. Every single news outlet... Every single news outlet is saying that she made an appearance, that people had seen her. And yet there's no not picture. one photo, not one person decided to take a snap with their phone. This is ridiculous. There's something going on. It's related, you know, and it was inspired by her daughter-in-law and her son. 
and you just wonder what is going on. And tonight, I, from what I understand, she was supposed to go to Rhode Island. Uh, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised, given the landscape that we're living in, the circumstances involved, mm-hmm. that there there would be some sort of an accident on the way up to Rhode Island. I just, Maybe so. You know, I, I believe that. I believe that. And, you know, um, I was telling uh, my listeners in the first half, I'm actually pretty much done. I'm just going to give it a run through. But I'm going to be posting an article that's titled, President Trump, We Demand a Welfare Check on RBG. So, you know, welfare checks, you call the police. You know, if you don't turn up for work for like three days, your employer is going to call for a welfare check, right? And she right. works for the United for the people of the United States. She's been submitting opinions from bedside, yet we really don't know what her state is. And what I'm going to be requesting, and I'm going to fax it off, email it, and then register letter out to my president, is that I demand a welfare check from an independent source, maybe the Surgeon General, to check not only her physical, but her mental state. Because if she's physically ill and she can't physically be at, you know, the Supreme Court providing her opinions or discussions, I I say fine. Maybe she does it through Skype. Uh, You know, maybe she types it up. Maybe she dictates. The next step is, is she mentally capable? Because considering the uh, injuries or the trauma uh, that she's had or cancer or pneumonia, these are all medications that have side effects. Sometimes even, you know, uh, medication that you take for nausea, uh, you know, will have a warning label, do not operate heavy machinery, right? So she's on medications that can alter her state of thought, So if she's not writing these opinions, who's writing them for her? And if she is, this is dangerous because our, you know, article three of the constitution establishes our federal judiciary and gives them the ultimate power, right? To oversee all the courts, what they say and their opinions matter and affect the whole nation. If the case is, is that she's not capable of providing these opinions, the Supreme court should not have should not be open because we only have eight. We're supposed to have nine. So, you know, this is a concern. And I think everyone, you know, um, obviously my listeners that are going to read it, we should retweet the heck out of it. Like I said, this afternoon, I'm going to head down to UPS. So that way my, my own fax machine isn't recorded um, and fax it off. I'm going to email it. And it's a letter to the president where I demand a welfare check because no one's doing it. I think that's imperative because it is very important that the opinions, you know, one might say that we can actually scrutinize the ones from before. If it's discovered, you know, that her opinions that formulate and shape our legal system and and, and it is an integral part of our nation's judiciary system, you know, they should be reevaluated for the ones already contributed. And, you know, these suspicions are warranted and we need to scrutinize how this is done. And these reports of her being somewhere or her son saying she's walking a mile are ridiculous if you don't have a screenshot you don't have a photo it didn't happen right it's 2019 even flip phones have cameras right how did not one person take a picture and how well, is here, she could, attending jacob that wall, you know jacob wall on twitter and this this is three photos have been going around of the event last night this was in her honor notorious rbg musical at national museum of women in the in the arts in washington dc tonight uh, is what when this was written last night, show that 
Justice Ginsburg was not, in caps, not among the very small crowd, despite Washington Post claims. So, you know, everybody is looking for this photo. Now that what's trending is RGB, uh, RBG proof of life. And this this compounded the issue because here, here they reported in very, you know, supposedly legitimate news outlets, like the Washington Post is supposed to be even legitimate, Fox, right? Even Fox. Fox, Daily Caller, um, everybody ran with this story. And they basically, this is like what they call circular reporting. Mm -hmm. So everybody is basically saying, and then people are like, whoa, wait a second. Where's a photo? Now, everybody is looking for a photo. And on Twitter, I can't find one photo. I've Googled this. I can't find it. I'm really good at this stuff. I can search really well. And I can't find a photo. Every single photo, by the way, and even on Fox and Friends this morning, they were showing, oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg made an appearance. They make that report. Then they show four different clips of Ruth Bader Ginsburg from years ago. I mean, it's unbelievable what's going on here. And why are so they now, in on it, too? It's just, this, is backfiring. this is backfiring in their faces because I think this was supposed to be like a stunt that says, oh, she's alive and she's well. Well, and this, this was, again, part of what why it is that I think that the State of the Union was canceled in the first place is people were going to be up in arms like, where's Ruth Bader Ginsburg? And now they tried to preempt it and say she she has a conflict. She's going to be somewhere else, right? She's going to be in Rhode Island. She's going to be receiving an award, whatever. So there'll Only be pictures of that, right? Will we have pictures no of her receiving this award if she's there because it's more important than the State of the Union? I mean, there's got to be pictures, right? If you're receiving an award, you pose. I mean, all of us pose with, with BS awards like bowling trophies she's not gonna she's not gonna pose with an award that'll yeah. be interesting to see yeah so um you know it, i think that what they tried to do was they tried to pull a fast one but there's just so much social media buzz and skepticism that they can't get around it anymore this is why the mainstream media in the old days 10 years ago this probably would have flown you know, this would have this would have flied, right? It's not flying anymore. This stuff is just not working for them. And so all the different playbook lies and deception that used to work so well for the Clintons and whoever else, the body doubles, it's no longer working because we have citizen journalists out there doing due diligence, doing the work uh, and making sure that everybody is accountable for whatever, you know. Uh, it's important that we understand what's in play here. They want to try to milk her as being alive all the way until the end of the year, and then they're going to pull an Merrick Garland. And they're going to say, this is an election year. It worked for you. It's going to work for us. And the only difference is Mitch McConnell runs the Senate, not Harry Reid. And so, you know, uh, Trump is going to get Ruth Bader Ginsburg's replacement. You watch. Well, he is, but the thing is, the question here lies is um, how far are they taking this? Because so many people are, we've been, I've been talking about her not being around since October. I mean, people are talking about just a month, right? But no one's really seen her since October. The only reason they reported that she had fallen down and broken her ribs was because they had to superimpose her photo uh, at the photo shoot with Kavanaugh. That's a Photoshopped image, if you remember. 
on November 6th, they reported that she couldn't go and she couldn't pose for the picture. But apparently they have a picture of her now with Kavanaugh, even though the paper said she couldn't go. That's pretty interesting. Right. You know, so for me, I'm not saying she's been gone a month. I'm saying she's been gone a few months. And I stick by it because no one's seen her anywhere. Nowhere. They're saying she was at this hospital. that So we're supposed to believe the media that posts all this fake news, that falsely reports events. We're supposed to just take the word of CNN that she was at Kettering. We're supposed to take uh, their, you know, statements or her son's statements that she's walking a mile. You know, you're getting an award. That award, someone else can go in your place and get it. This is a state of the union. You don't put an award over the state of the union. And how do you go to a screening of something that's in your, you know, in your, I say, in your honor and no one saw you? Like, what? How does nobody in that small group see you? And if you saw, there were some tweets from some reporters stating that it was dark and small and cozy and that's why they didn't get a photo. Really? They climbed through chimneys to get photos. They wouldn't get it. What? It was too dark? I have night sight on my cell phone. My cell phone can take a picture in the dark and manifest color. So they're giving us lame excuses as to why they don't have proof of what they're saying. And the media is being cornered. And I'm actually hitting publish right now on the demand for a welfare check. Um, and this is um, interesting, too. The court has said that although Ginsburg missed oral arguments last month, she will vote in the cases based on briefs and transcripts and that she has participated from home in deciding which cases the court has accepted or rejected for its docket, as well as in some emergency decisions. The court's latest statement of her health, released January 11th, said her recovery from surgery is on track, post-surgery evaluation. So Ginsburg has spoken with filmmakers who on January 22nd were nominated for an Academy Award. Her son, James, who was at Monday night's performance, said Ginsburg walks a mile a day and is working with her trainer again. The court will meet next in public session, February 19th. Guarantee is she won't be there. Despite her appearance Monday night, it's unlikely that Ginsburg will go to the Capitol on Tuesday. Few things are mandatory for a Supreme Court justice, and attending the State of the Union address is not one of them. Justice Clarence Thomas has not been since 2009. Antonin Scalia was in the midst of a two-decade hiatus. So it is you know, not uncommon for... But still, this is one where she's always attended. She attended all of the Obama state of the union addresses. It's pretty sad that we have a justice that is this transparently biased in her political ideology. I think it's radical. I think it's reckless. The comments that she made about Trump are also reckless. Well, um, I mean, you know, the idea that something might indeed occur with her aircraft or an accident, you know, seems very plausible. Seems very, yep. very plausible, especially now that the media has got their back up and they're tripping over their own words as to why they didn't take a picture. You know, I, well, I think in this case with all the heat that's on this, uh, they might have to abandon ship and say this is going to explode in all of our faces and it's going to be worse because A, they're going to find out and B, then we're going to go down. We're going to go completely down. Right. So 
Yeah. I mean, if she's been on, put on life support for the last couple of months, then, then this is coming to a head is what's happening. And at some point, they're going to go ahead and manufacture something. Yeah, they have to because they have to cover up everything. And I mean, uh, personally, don't, don't you think that President Trump already knows what's up? Honestly. Yeah. I think so, too. I think he knows. That's why he's just letting them do their thing. And he hasn't really commented on it either. He hasn't said anything like, where is she or purporting anything like that himself. Well, he did tweet last week and he was like, I wish her well, blah, blah, blah. And then he in, insinuated something to the effect that they are starting to look into the book, you know, for a replacement. I think that was a wink and a nod like, you know. I mean, there was a tweet last week where it sort of indicated just business as usual, you know, that if she can't make it, we're prepared for her replacement. Yeah, well, because he already knows that she needs to be replaced. That's the thing. And uh, the question lies to the people, like even with um, Justice Scalia, right? There wasn't really an autopsy done. He was murdered. There was no one around and they just left it. And now with, uh, you know, RBG, she's missing in action. No one's seen her. She's formulating opinions. I, and I think the death coincides with the Fox News fake graphic. And I think that the fake graphic was put out there on purpose. I don't think it's fake. Maybe they thought it was being announced. Yeah, but I don't think it's fake. Maybe they thought it was being announced that day and suddenly, you know, they didn't get the memo or they didn't want to retract it. I think maybe that was that. Maybe indeed that was the day they were going to announce it, but, you know, they were late to the memo or the person that had put together the slides was like, no, let's, let's drop a hint for the people. But then it makes you wonder how Fox News would um, retweet and reinforce a story by AP that has no proof that she's alive. I mean, like I said, uh, having her die during the first quarter, and I said this in November, of this year of 2019 is a huge distraction. We need to focus on Mueller. We need to focus on the general Flynn case. We need to focus on, um, hunkering down with Huber and some secret secondary, secondary special counsel. We need to focus on these things. Uranium one that's busy. And we also need to focus on our healthcare because we've taken care of the economy. We've taken care of more of the geopolitics going on. Now we need to focus on healthcare if we want to cinch 2020. Because the 2020 drum that's going to be beat by the Democrats is uh, Medicare for all. And losers all want everything for free. So a lot of people that are even hardworking can't get health care properly or appropriately priced because of the Affordable Care Act. So uh, this is crucial. And her dying in the first quarter is a distraction and a problem. And I said it. And maybe they're waiting for the right time to pull that plug. I don't know. Uh, But whatever it is, our president is going along with it. So I guess I have to trust it, right? But on the other hand, that doesn't mean we don't make noise about it. Um, So what do you expect other than we're going to see the empty seats? They've already admitted it. We've predicted it two weeks ago. Um, What do you expect to see? Like from rebuttals, like how does that even work? Well, the rebuttal is going to be from Stacey Abrams, a person who openly supports, literally supports illegal voting. I mean, it's unbelievable. But in Georgia, that's what's happening is you have a lot of illegals voting. That's why that red state has become purple. And Stacey Abrams is a big advocate for turning that state, flipping it, come hook or cook by crook. 
You know, and they don't care because all they care about is the raw power. They want to dictate to you their political, radical ideology. And Stacey Abrams openly supports. But but I, I actually think that uh, the reason why they pick Stacey Abrams is because she has nothing to lose. So uh, the Democrat Party is so messed up right now that everybody is afraid to take a stance and they don't want to be on record as saying something so radical as illegals should have a right to vote or open borders and abolish ICE and all of these things that Stacey Abrams is not afraid to say because she's not going to lose her seat. These other people have to win re-election at some point, especially people in the House every two years. So they're not willing to get up there and speak. They're not going to make a statement that's going to come back to haunt them. So they get these people with very little equity. You know, same thing with Howard Schultz. He He's put up there just as a trial balloon, just to try to pull the party to the center and do a little bit of a, a, a focus group test. And it's not working. You know, people threw him under the bus too. So Stacey Abrams is going to give a rebuttal that's going to be fringe left. It's going to cater to the fringe left because that's where they are right now in the primary. Who's farther to the left? Who could be farther to the left? But it's going to come back to haunt them in the sen- in, a, in the general election when you need to go toward the center. That's where the problem's going to lie for the Democrats. So right now, Stacey Abrams, she's not a political Democrat right, right now. She's a nothing burger. So whatever she says is not going to come back to haunt the Democrat Party. But it should because they're the ones with the that made the choice to pick her as the rebuttal. She's going to crash and burn. I think she's going to be a huge, big fail uh, because she's going to be out of touch. And what's going to happen tonight is that President Trump, just like he did with the CBS interview prior to the Super Bowl, very pragmatic, very rational, rational, very reasonable. And I think he caters well to the independent voter and the you know people in the center, even among the left, who are going to, I think, abandon that party if they're not careful. And so tonight is an opportunity for Trump to steal 10, 20 percent of the center Democrats and gobble up probably 75 percent of the independents, which is going to be key to a victory in 2020. Well, I think putting Stacey Abrams is like shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, like you said, no one really wants to take a stand and look crazy. So they're putting one of the craziest people out there to represent them. I mean, but she's how a, does, a she, private citizen, right? Right. But they but, still made the put her up there. Right. That's the thing. And um, their guests are illegal immigrants. Like, uh, I hope ICE is standing by. Seriously. Oh, it's a poor choice. But she, hey, she's black. She's a woman. And she's a radical lefty that supports illegals right to vote. So if they're pandering toward identity politics, you can't get any more than that. That's a that's a trifecta right there. Yeah, and you have the way, that's the way the left looks at it, but that's not the way you and I see it. Well, I don't think uh, the majority of people see it like that anymore. They've realized that they're foaming at the mouth. Like if you look, Mexico themselves have put in in place now, most recently with AMLO, the new president. That if you are migrating into our country, you are obliged to be background screen and we need to take your biometrics and that's how you enter the country. If you have a felony, murder or whatever in your country, you get deported. If you don't comply, you get deported. They're, the Mexicans are all unified behind that. Why can't we be behind that? How are, are, are all the Mexicans now racist for deporting all these people? Because he's given them the opportunity and said, if you don't turn up and get your identification, 
you're being automatically deported. And Mexicans are like, right, if you have nothing to hide, why not present yourself? We're not going to kick you out. Dredge just had this thing where um, call for unity, Trump approval is at 48%, Teflon Donald, but Maxine Waters had a meltdown. Waters begs Americans to turn off TV during State of the Union. <laughs> turn it off. Turn off your TV. Of course. You can't have an opinion view go into your ears and, and eyes and, and brain. God forbid we have that. We can't right? have facts. And the thing is, he's even bringing Joshua Trump, which right now the radical left are tearing apart a little boy and, and comparing him to other children that are bullied because they're fat or autistic. Why not bring one of those children about bullying and why are you bringing this? Because he is a prime example of just how crazy the radical left is. If anyone is associated right. with the president automatically they're ostracized, marginalized, crazy. What other labels do they give us, Scott? <laughs> Insane, yeah. racist, Nazis, xenophobes, right? They, it, there's a whole list. If you support Trump, you're one of these. And then there's fake conservatives that say, well, I support Trump. I just don't support people like Wall, like Scott Adams, like Tory, like Larry Freeze, like all these people, Paul Preston. I don't support them because they're crazy. But I like the president, though, which is fake. They're just pandering to make a point. They're trying to disrupt our base. And, you know, I think he's using the tools of the left against them, just like we did with the blackface article. You know what else? I love prison reform and some of the other things that play well toward the left. It's going to be a great night for the for the Trump for the I can't wait for the tweet storm. We're out of time. Everybody needs to follow Scott Adams show on Twitter. Uh, go to his website and tomorrow, Scott, I'm totally coming on your show and you're coming on mine because we're going to have so much fun talking about this. It'll be incredible yeah. to see heads explode from all of us here at red state. We wish you a happy and healthy evening and arm your popcorn and get ready for tonight. Thank you for being with us, Scott. Can't wait to have you on tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.